So not too long ago, I held this workshop at WPPI where I gave my top 30 creative strategies to get photography clients as fast as possible without paid ads. And it killed it. It sold out. It was incredible. I've been sitting on it for a little while and I've decided to bring it back, to bring it back and to give it directly to you. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to pay anything either. I just want to help you grow your business each day for three days. I'm going to share with you 10 ultra unique creative ways to attract dream clients to your photography business without spending a bunch of money. I'm calling this thing the three day client blitz and it is pure gold for three days. I'm going to give you so many creative ideas to get clients in your business right now. Just go to sixfigurephotography.com forward slash blitz six S I X six figure your photography.com forward slash blitz b l i t z i can't wait to give you some incredible ideas hey you're listening to the six figure photography podcast with ben hartley and rachel griman each week, a new episode will air to help you grow your business by winning more bookings, maximizing profits, and breaking through your limiting beliefs. Today, we're talking about how we kind of ended up here. How we ended up just like being just a person that happened to pick up a camera and start photographing. And you know, if it was a hobby, I mean, for me, I just, I, I was into art. Like how did, how do we go from that? Just being someone who was kind of into art to now having a full-time career, uh, pushing, I mean, goodness, Rachel, I'm, I'm going on 13 years here. Like that's kind of wild. This was never in the cards, you know? Right. Right. And I think a lot of the listeners, uh, my, my guess is many could relate. And, mm-hmm. um, and I'd like to share some of these stories of, of what this journey has looked like, some of the early life lessons, learning lessons along the way, and um, and how the listeners can take this and and uh, hopefully it, you know grow uh, even beyond what what either of us have have managed to do. I um, hope they do. Exactly. You know, actually, one of the things <laughs> that I love is I love you know I've got the mastermind group, I've got Book Solid, I got these students who are who who've gone through it. I've been at this for a while, you know, the education mm-hmm. side of things. And I love seeing like past students go on to like become the teacher. Like even for me to mm-hmm. go and then like attend their workshops, attend their classes, mm-hmm. listen to their podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh have them come out to my workshop and, and teach at it. Like it's it's just the yeah. it's the coolest thing. It really is the coolest thing. Um and so um you know, I, I, I guess I want to throw this back to, for you, Rachel, mm-hmm. where did art even enter into like the scene of Rachel Griman? Yeah, it's a great question. So I'm very different than you in that I am not like a super artistic person by nature. Like photography was my entry into art and my mom took hundreds thousands of rolls of film my whole life she always had a camera in her hand and she mostly of our sports like I'm one of five kids and we all played three sports a year my whole life like super big into athletics and my mom would be on the sidelines or of any basketball volleyball soccer game just like clicking away and she would print these rolls of film and give them out to all of our teammates at the end of the season so everybody got this like patsy packet is what people called them of images that they could have of them playing these sports. And so 
My mom. Oh, your mom's Patsy. Yeah, yeah, That's such yeah. a fun. Uh, I love that. Okay, Patsy. I want a Patsy packet. I know. And they were, and she would like. She was really into creative memory, scrapbooking, and stuff. She's very artistic. Hmm. So she would like shoelace them up, you know, and then put all the images in it and deliver them. And it was just like a really sweet thing that she did. And then when I got to high school, I was like had taken several rolls of film myself my mom always let me play around with her cameras and i became the yearbook photographer because i was like that's just what the women in my family do okay Mm -hmm. and then i was in school 2004 2005 those were the years that i was the yearbook photographer and that's when digital came out so i took all the art the photo classes in high school that which were all darkroom so i learned how to develop my own film um and then digital came in but i remember my teacher was like oh this won't take over film will always be paramount Mm. and which is so funny to me and then i actually was a photojournalism major in college so again spent every semester in the dark room all of our school like everything we did was still digital and film like we weren't allowed to just do digital projects we also had to develop our own film so i think i was probably one of the last classes to learn in film because yeah. digital took over so quickly from that point. Was that, was, um, that was high school or college? Both. Yeah. Yeah. May, so, I, may I share a quick story about film photography? Yeah, please. Just, 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 it's a quick little nugget here. I did yeah. a film photography class in, in college and uh, my instructor day one, I'll never forget this day one film photography. It was like film photography one-on-one. It was a black and white. It was black and white. That's right. Anyhow. And uh, he said, all right, everybody sit down. Here's your first lesson. And he pulls out his wallet and then he lit it on fire in front of the class. He's like, this is expensive. You're not going to make any money. You're going to waste all your money on film and (laughs) uh, product and chemicals. And uh, if anybody would like to uh, head out now, uh, this is your chance. (laughs) I'm sure it was like a a mock wallet or something, but he literally let his, his wallet on fire. (laughs) That's essentially what it felt like even in college as a college student, like buying my rolls of film. I was like, Mm -hmm. and then we would have to make prints and he would make us mat them for shows. Like it was like a whole thing. But, um, so that was my start. It was always people, sports, photojournalism, like so much so that it ended up being my major in college. It was very, um, almost literal. Like I, I never posed people. Mm. I was always following the action. It wasn't like I was like finding my creativity within it. It was like, tell the story as it is and make sure you meter it correctly. <laughs> yeah. 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 So was, was your aim for it? Like going in as a photojournalist major, was the aim to like go work at a, like a news outlet? Like what was the maybe initial yeah. direction you were kind of going for long shot, if you will. I thought for a long time that I wanted to be a war photographer. That was like what I really wanted to do. Um, And then I started working with a lot of nonprofits in college. So it turned into like long-term telling stories of the work that nonprofits did, which is what I did for 10 years after college. So it worked out and I loved it. And honestly, like I could see myself having a career doing that again. Um, It's not a very family friendly profession. In what way? Well, you've got to like follow the action, you know, you got to get up in the middle of the night, uh, got it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, nonprofits totally. But if I wanted to be like a true photojournalist, like 
you're not raising small babies while you do that. Yeah. Yeah. The newborn photographers listening to this are like, you don't even know, like the yes. on call 24 seven. Oh, the birth photographers. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's what yeah. I meant to say. Yeah. The birth yeah. photographers. Yeah. Yes. Which I've done. I've done like 15 births. And oh, if really? I could do, yeah, if I could do that exclusively, I would totally do it. It is the worst work-life balance I think you can have as a photographer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm you just... could be on call for like a month. Well, and also like, you're not, yeah, well, at least in my experience of my wife having three kids is like, yeah, you, you think you're going in and then it's like, you know, it reminds me of a, you know, SpongeBob. It's like 16 hours later, you know, yes, and exactly, then, exactly. <laughs> like yes. I thought it was happening now, but, it, but no, we're not. Yeah. Yeah. And if you like to enjoy a drink now and again, like you're not having more than one, like it's, yeah. you just have to be very, you have to be very available or have yeah. a great team behind you. But anyway, so my, I knew from the time I was 14 that I wanted to be a photographer mm. and I didn't have any interest in any other art. I loved writing too. So I knew I wanted to do both. There was never really a question for me that I would do anything else. So I feel like I'm a rare bird in that way in this world. Um, and you were obviously very different, Ben. Yeah. So yeah, let's so talk about the first time you picked up a camera. Yeah, for sure. So for me, uh, first time I picked up a camera was, uh, was actually just, uh, there's a phrase and I don't really know what it means, Rachel. Uh, <laughs> the phrase is like a means to an end. And I don't yeah. know if that means, so I picked up a camera in order to create a photograph of something that I was going to paint. Right. Yeah. That so means to an end doesn't super fit, but I know but why you think like, it does. Yeah. I, Okay. So am I missing it? Like photography was just a means to an end. It was, I wasn't doing it for photography. I was doing it for the okay, image yeah. that was just paint. Right. Yeah. Does yeah. That make that sense? Tracks. Yep. Okay. That makes that's sense. what I was trying to go for. Yeah. I yeah. tend to get it confused of which way it means. Anyhow. So, uh, <laughs> through college, I just used a camera and lighting, uh, to, to document the, the images that I was going to spend you know, 400 hours, uh, painting. So I did hyper realism, yeah. uh, all through college, uh, portraiture, you know, that kind of stuff. And so I was studying composition, light color, um, all that kind of stuff, but mostly from like, from the old masters, from a painting standpoint. Yeah. Um, and then I did, I did, uh, like I said, that one film photography class, uh, yeah. but I didn't like it. Like it was not, it was, <laughs> It was not it's a long process. Well, it's not, it's not only that, like I, I wanted to actually, um, maybe what I'm discovering, even in expressing this is like, I'm more of a maker than, mm -hmm. than like, like picking up the paint, actually like creating something on a raw, like even stretching the canvas over wood, gessoing mm -hmm. it, uh, tactile. The, yeah, very tactile. And there was such a disconnect between the camera and me. This is just how I felt. I'm not saying this is true for everybody. Yeah. 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 Like, I it felt, felt like a tool yeah. that was like doing too much for you. You yeah, wanted exactly. more involvement. Yep. Exactly. Especially with digital, you know, especially with yeah. that, like film, you got a little bit of that, but um, so I never really actually like got off on it. Uh, it just yeah. was like, yeah, I'll sure I'll do this in order to make some great yeah. paintings. Um, and, uh, I no intention ever really of, of pursuing photography. Um, it, it kind of wasn't until I was backed into a corner <laughs> that I was like, okay, this, this, there's a, there's a, there's a pathway here. You know, um, and talk about how you got backed into that corner. Like, I know that you, and this was something that I learned about you recently, which I find very fascinating that you used to do live paintings at weddings. Yeah. 
that was something that you did, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so is that kind of where you saw the pathway for photography? Yeah. So no, uh, I mean, there was maybe, you know what? It's like, maybe, maybe that was one of the, one of the many. Um, okay. So for, uh, what, for a while, I actually, um, when I first graduated, um, I was in ministry for a little bit and, uh, and then we ended up, uh, stepping out of that and uh, it was my first year of marriage. Uh, and so I just had a lot of pressure on myself to like, I needed to come up with some way to provide, to earn, to yeah. earn. exactly, you know? So I went and got a job as a server, waiting tables, um, I then just started applying to do a number of things. But one of the things I also did was I was like, well, I guess I could paint at receptions and I could also offer to photograph the receptions as well. And then I essentially created a, an option or you could just have me photograph the whole day. It kind of was like, these are my tears. It was really weird tears oh, of packages. Interesting. I could be your painter, like your jester at the, the reception. I could paint and take pictures. Wasn't quite sure I was going to do that. Or you know what? I'll just be there the whole day and I'll take some take some photographs. Great business model, guys. Write it down. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so yeah, that was that was kind of like one of the things I did. But I also applied um, for uh, a video production company to mm. produce um, like motion graphics uh, and TV commercials. And um, and I got that internship. And so very quickly, I only did. I actually only I only did one reception painting before I got this job. Okay. And so I just that that could have been a whole other life, Rachel. Like like if yeah. I never got the internship to totally. go and do the video production stuff, mm -hmm. I may still be out there, you know, painting receptions. Um, I just didn't have the chance. And so yeah. um, I ended up getting involved in a video production, and that's actually where I actually learned how to use a camera. Was uh -huh. I learned how to use a camera uh, for video? Uh, before mm. I ever mastered it for, for stills, you know, like yeah. when I was doing images, uh, for my paintings, I was like yeah. full auto, like right. on camera, like everything was just, it was yeah. all garbage. Why would you learn more than you need to, if you're just going to paint it? Yep. Exactly. Yeah. hundred percent. That's so funny. You said that because that is exactly where I started my career as like a nonprofit writer and photographer was with an internship. Mm -hmm. And it was the last year of college. And I went to Africa for seven months and I lived in Uganda and traveled all over the continent, taking photos and writing stories for hospitals that like gave free surgery to, um, children with disabilities. Mm. And, um, that's like exactly the internship. If you work for free, you might learn a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And uh, like, I even think about that now, like what a luxury it was to just go learn and not make any money and be able to do that. You know, it would be very hard for me in my life right now to work for free, to go learn a new skill. Yes. And, um, even though it's tempting, cause that was like <laughs> some of that's like the best way to do it because you don't have a lot of there is no value really attached to what you're doing. So you can mess up and you can try things and you can learn. Um, but that internship, like again, a whole different life. I met my husband there. That's why I live in Colorado. Mm. Like I, it would have been an entirely different world if I had done anything other than go work for free for a minute. Yep. Totally get so, that. okay. From there you did video production and internship. I'm assuming it was like six months to a year, something short. No, I was there for, I think it was like three or four years. 
Were you an intern the whole time? No, no, no. They, they, oh, uh, they brought they me hired on. You. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Okay. So after, after, <laughs> I think it was six months or a year. Then they, then yeah. they actually hired me. Yes, I proved, I proved my value. Uh, so from there, why didn't you become a wedding videographer? Uh, well, I so I started doing wedding video and okay. wedding photo, and and kind of the the intention behind it was. Um, I, I gleaned over this a little bit, little, little nuggets. And I've, I've spoken about this uh, a few other times, So, like, we didn't have the greatest experience, um, in, in ministry. There was some issues along the way. Issues. I am shocked. You know, I am shocked that <laughs> ministry didn't work out. <laughs> and so, um, we were in a small town and mm-hmm. it, it kind of felt like, like the job that I had, I loved. I loved being a, a videographer. I loved doing motion graphics, animation. Yeah. I I was pretty decent at it, I'm and sure. um, so that was a lot of fun. I just, uh, we, you know, we didn't want to stay in the the same small town with all yeah. of this stuff and the baggage and the and the yeah. things around us. And so uh, the whole intention for creating um, Ben and Les Photography, which is what we originally were, mm-hmm. was as a way out. It was kind mm-hmm. of like, the, okay, here's our escape plan. Because honestly, yeah. I was just an art major. <laughs> like I didn't have anything else going for me. Like I had a great job. And yeah. so, but we needed a way out. We need some, needed something that um, could allow us to continue to make money, but not stay here. And yeah. so we started, uh, we started Benelis Photography while working full-time. So I was working full-time, 40 hours a week at the video production company. Uh-huh. Uh, my wife was full-time nanny uh, for a family. And then, um, and that year we did 40 weddings. Uh, and we just... That's we, insane. It was just hustle. I mean, it was kind of like head down. This is what it's going to yeah. take. And, and I say we did 40 weddings first year um, because we were, you know, it was kind of like, Hey, if you hire us to photograph your wedding, I'll give you $200. Yeah. <laughs> but you weren't like yeah. bringing home the bacon. Yeah. It was very, I mean, it wasn't like, it wasn't that bad, but I mean, first wedding was $300, you know, yeah, and then, totally. you know, you just, you, you start from there and then you, you, you prove yourself and you prove your product and continue to get word of mouth going. And so that's where it began. That is so funny. I have a very similar story. I worked for a huge nonprofit here in Denver and I loved my job. I was a writer and photographer. I was obsessed with it. I loved my coworkers. I could have stayed there my whole career. I had a very unfortunate boss in that scenario. And Green Chair Stories was born out of like, what if I just tried something else on the side? So I worked full time for the whole first year while I was photographing families on the side. And I think I was charging like $150 for a family shoot Mm -hmm. at that point. And um, for like an hour or two of shooting time (laughs) and then just giving them all the digitals. Like, again, pricing was not, at top of mind there. Um, and then I left and decided to do it full time. Yeah. And so you guys did 40 weddings. So and were we you profitable in, though? Yeah, yeah, we were. And we sprung on and listen, I think early on, I think there's a lot of question around niching down and like, I don't know what I, a lot, a lot of photographers, they like, they're like, I don't know if I want to do weddings. I don't know if I want to do portraits or seniors or whatever. Yeah. And I think that there is a season early on where like I would encourage you to thrash and to do as many things as possible in as short a yeah. time as possible to, to begin mm-hmm. to narrow some of that down. There's really no way to know unless you just know, like you may just know deep yeah. down, like, I don't want to do boudoir. Like, I don't know. I just don't want to do that. Right, right, uh, right. But, but uh, there's all these other options. And so, you know, that same year, I remember we did family and we did, yeah. uh, 
baby, like a, you know, first mm-hmm. year of life. I, I sold a whole first year of life package where I was doing it. And, I got <laughs> and you stuck. were like, Oh no, I hated it after for, the first one. <laughs> I know it was, we did. I sold a first year of life package and I was, I, I started off with the newborn pictures and I was like, I need out of this. I, this is yes. not, I don't want to come back here ever again and look these people in the <laughs> eye. Um, cause it, cause I just didn't, I was so bad, you know, I was early yes. and I just didn't really know. Um, yeah. but yeah, uh, same situation. I said yes to everything. Yeah. Headshots, seniors, weddings, families, you name, I did a boudoir session with a friend, like you name it. I tried it and I quickly learned what I didn't like. Yes. Yes. I agree. You kind of want to, you want to get uh, to your nose as fast as possible. And Ooh, that's a great quote, Ben. You want to get to your nose as fast as possible. Exactly. I love that. Like I'm looking for the shut doors, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I mean, it was less of looking for the one door open. I'm, I'm more so just trying to shut as many doors as I can. So I could, I could get clear and I could, I could focus up. But I'm going to say this. I, the reason I stopped you when you said that is because I think us looking back, we know what a gift it is to have a shut door to narrow the path mm-hmm. because you and I have experienced such power in niching into something specific. Yeah. Like we have seen and felt the growth when you say this is the only thing that I do. And I think if you're newer and you're listening and you hear us talk about celebrating a no, that feels can feel very scary. And the reason that we celebrate finding the no is because people want to hire you when you're the expert in something. People want to hire you when they feel like you're super experienced in what they're after. They're not necessarily looking to hire somebody that's like a Jack or Jill of all trades. And maybe they will. I just have seen in the thousands of photography sites that I've looked at people find the most success when they can say very specifically what they do and who they do it for. And the more niches you try to specialize in, the broader your language and messaging has to become. So it doesn't feel targeted when someone reads it. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to convey value then when it's not specialized. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of fear around it. I think the fear is probably a a, a few fears around it. One is certainly one around like, well, if I start saying no, I I need all the money I can get. I need all the jobs I can get. And there's a bit of a fallacy with that in that you're also, you're actually losing out on the best clients. It's -hmm. not that people won't hire you if you're a generalist. It's just the best clients won't. Um, Meaning like the people who really want the job done well and, and have the money to pay for it. They're looking for someone who, who is positioned in that way, you know, and maybe you're missing out because you can't speak to those people. You can't show them the value. And so I think that'd be good. It's a little bit of wasting your time because it's like, if you do a, shoot that you love and then you have three shoots in the next month of things that you don't love that much then it's going to take you that much longer to get back to doing what you love and getting better at it so some people love it all time yeah yeah the more time you can spend getting better though at one thing the faster you're going to be an expert in it correct yeah and so for the people who who love it all it's this is not an easy decision it is a difficult business decision. I just like slurred all those words. Yeah, the difficult business decision. And yet that's also, um, that's just kind of living, man. Like if you're going to mm-hmm. be a business owner, sometimes it requires making difficult business decisions. And you've got to decide, is this, you know, like, am I, am I going to try to run this as a, as a business that's going to actually generate um, not just profit for you, but like a life that serves you, one that has longevity. Yeah. Um, and again, it's not that you can't do this. It's just, I, I listen, you can play the game on hard mode all you want, but a lot of you are losing on hard mode 
and then you're refusing to to just play on easy. It's like it's like you're yeah. like you're crying about it, but then you refuse to play the game on easy mode. Yeah. And, um, so and I want to talk about them. that a little bit then with you next, because it sounds like you went into it right away with this business mentality of like, we're going to make money and we're going to grow. That is not how I went into it at all. Yeah. I went into it thinking if I love my art enough and I treat people well, the money will come to me. And I didn't have a strategy. I didn't have a plan. I was terrified of selling myself at all or doing any marketing. My entire value as a person was in the photos that I made for people and how Mm. they felt about them. Mm. It was like, if you can think about every ass backwards move you could make as a business person, that's how I ran my business for the first like two years. And I made money not much at all, especially the very beginning, but I wasn't ever in the negative. I can say that, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't looking back. I would have run the business so much differently knowing what I know now, but it sounds like for you, that's, that does not sound like your story to me. No, not at all. Cause it was, again, it was a very, the, so the goal wasn't make more money. The goal was to get my wife out of a terrible situation. And that became very motivating in order to build a business that would be profitable. Right. So like the goal was for us to be able to say no, the goal is for us to have freedom to like get up and leave and to move like that. That was always the game. And when that was the vision, like the, the action of like, okay, then we need to actually make a profitable business. We need to figure out our marketing. We need to test. We need to learn. We need to get ourselves out there. Like then my, because my why was so strong, all of the the insane amount of work that it, it took while working forty hours at a at another job, yeah, um, it 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 was able to get to get done, you know, because there was a very, the yeah, the why was just it was very anchored. And I think this is so important and I want people to hear what you're saying loudly and clearly that Ben took a lot of the emotion out of the photography side of it. His emotion was in the money-making side. He wanted to make money because his why had to do with being financially stable enough to provide for his family in a very specific way. All of my emotion was in how people felt about my photos Mm. that I couldn't even see the actual business side of things. And I think that this is something I see over and over and over. People want to run a successful business, but their feelings get in the way. And kind of like Ben saying earlier, I mean, it's a hard decision, but that's just kind of life. A hundred percent. Like we are going, you have to kill your darlings a little bit. There's this um, saying in copywriting called kill your darlings. And it means that sometimes you're going to write something that you really, really love. And at the end of a couple of rounds of editing, it just doesn't work. It doesn't serve the overall narrative. It's not speaking to people the way that you want it to. And you've got to kill it. You don't get to keep it. Nobody gets to read that thing that you wrote. And I feel the same way as a business owner when it comes to running a photography business. You have to let go of what you are attached to as a person to see how it serves your business overall. Mm. And that is something that my copywriting business has taught me over and over and over again. And now that I'm making a second go at running my photo business separately, that is something that I'm really passionate about for myself, constantly asking do I just like this? Am I just attached to the idea of this or does it serve the bottom line? And does it serve what my actual goal is? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. A hundred percent. And, uh, like there still is all that stuff there, you know, and it's still, is. Is. and, and, you know, you're fighting against it, uh, kind of tooth and nail. 
Um, but it's ego. All it is is ego because no one's thinking about it the way you are. Like yeah. when it comes to your photo business, you're thinking about it in terms of only you can, and you assume that everybody thinks about your business as much as you do. Sure. They're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not at all. Yeah, they're really not. Well, so, okay, early on then, what were some of your first uh, ways of getting your business known and out there? Like, how did you get your first, your earliest clients? Church was a big one. Yeah. Cause I was part of a church. Um, but I quickly learned that people from church don't really pay you any money. Um, at least not the kind of church that I went to Okay, got and, it. uh, which was fine. They're all lovely people. Um, but then I started like, I did a lot. I did giveaways. I'm trying to remember those early, early days. It was all word of mouth. Mm. You know, nobody was Googling me in 2014 and finding my, Squarespace website that wasn't optimized for SEO and was just a gallery of images on the whole page. Yeah. Like it wasn't getting found that way. It was more, um, I was in a lot of Facebook groups, mm -hmm. like putting my name out there to get hired for things. I would do mini shoots, but again, I was trying to build a documentary family business. Like I wanted people to hire me for hours and hours in their home. So I had a lot of personal projects that I would do. Um, and then their friends would end up hiring me. Mm. And so, but I was like on that blogging game in the Facebook groups doing giveaways. But again, like I will never be dishonest. My photography business was not successful. Like I wasn't losing money, but it, it was not making a living. Mm. And now looking back, I know exactly why, but when I was in it, I had no idea. Yeah. What was that like being uh, trying to build something and then it not working out. I don't think that I knew it wasn't working hmm. until I <laughs> built a business that did work. Okay. Got it. So <laughs> it wasn't know, until you started like, the copywriting that you realized, Oh, this is, this is what was, I was, yes. Missing. Yeah. This is what I was missing. And it, it was so easy. Hmm. Like it, it was like, I had already made all the dumb mistakes with building a photo business that when I built copywriting, it was like, Oh, duh. Yeah. Like it, it just, it made so much sense. Um, but I think looking at it, it was like, well, it just takes a long time. And I wasn't willing to change my pricing structure. I was not willing to sell myself. I think that's the biggest thing. When I became a copywriter, I was willing to put myself out there because that was the gig. I was telling people that I could sell them. So I needed to be willing to sell myself. And now helping photographers sell themselves. I'm like, Oh, that's the key that I was missing when I was building a photography business. I never talked about how I could help people, the problems that I solved, mm. the features and benefits of working with me. I was so terrified. I would hit post on a blog and then never talk about it again. Mm. Like yep. I was so scared of annoying people with my content. Yep. Now I'm like, you're annoyed. I'm like here it is, you know, yeah. it doesn't bother me at all. But that mindset shift was massive for me when I switched gears. Um, and now I will show content down people's throats all day long. Yeah. You like it or you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I totally get that. And it's so, it's so interesting how, uh, I get, it just takes, you know, so I, I'm out there all the time as well. Yeah. And, um, and, and you'll get one person who will, at least for me, like I I'm quickly to, I it's, I'm so quick to return to like the state, even just for a day of just like, I don't want to show up anymore. Cause it's like from one comment or whatever. And I had yep. to, I had to actually have this moment of reconciliation with myself that I was like, how arrogant do you have to be Ben to believe 
that you have somehow the ability to make anything that every single person on this earth is going to just right. love or even just accept. Right. Right. And uh, how foolish of me to think that that would even be possible. Cause I was in right. such a, a mode of like, I've got to make sure I, 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 I please everyone. I'm a people pleaser that like everything gets liked that no one says like, you know, who is this guy? Stop showing up, stop making stuff. You yeah. look dumb. Like whatever it is that you, you, you know, we hear. Um, and so now when I see it, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. That makes a ton of sense that I was super like, annoying oh, to that person. You're the person that doesn't like me. Yeah, you're the guy who doesn't <laughs> like my voice. That's totally cool. Got it. Got it. Got that's, it. that's great. Yeah. I'm glad that I found also, you. Also, <laughs> how arrogant of us to believe that anybody's paying attention to everything that we do. That was the other big thing that I learned when I switched over to copywriting was that I can say something 18 times and some people are still never going to hear it. Mm. Like they either weren't on Instagram all of those 18 times or they're not subscribed to my newsletter. Like you can just say the same thing over and over and over again. And you need to not only can you can, but like, I think I thought every single person that might be interested in taking photos with me was reading every blog post and every newsletter and every single Instagram post. So I was so afraid of irritating people. Mm. What a conceited thing to think. No one is looking at your whole business as a whole picture. Yeah except for you, you're the only one. Yep. So I think just getting over the fear of repeating myself um, and just thinking, like realizing I'm not that special. Like yeah. I have to say it loud and proud and with my whole chest for people to hear me. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. Um, for me in those early days, it was so much focus on like I played around with trying to go and get clients and to like um, promote and that kind of stuff to the, to the individual clients who were out there on the internet uh, yeah. or in real life. And um, I ended up working with a planner and mm. after working with that planner, um, she ended up just like booking me a series of weddings. It was just like, it was like back to back to back to back to back. I was like, man, yeah. I'm doing all this energy to try to go reach all these people out there who are only in this window of looking for a photographer for a very short period of time. Meanwhile, there's this other business that already has all of my clients and they're going to be in business for more than the next eight months. Mm -hmm. And if I can continue to be a value to them, like the exchange that can happen, uh, it could be a, a huge ROI. So all of my mm -hmm. energy uh, early on was all about partnerships and, and yeah. building. Honestly, I was all about building everybody else's business. If you would have looked at me from kind of the outside, it probably would have looked like what, like Ben is just building everybody else's business, but his own. But in the process, it was, it was the thing that like, it, I mean, the, the, the the curve with the parabolic is a parabolic curve. Like it starts off mm -hmm. real slow. Like it was yeah. like okay, 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 and then it just like to the moon, and it allowed mm -hmm. me to rapidly raise my prices because yeah. the quality of those direct referrals that are coming from word of mouth, mm -hmm. it was so much higher than any sort of Facebook group or or anything I could find right. elsewhere. That they were spending more money, they trusted, they bought much faster. Um, yeah, it was, that was, that was really the, the ticket, uh, for me. And then we moved because <laughs> that was the whole goal. Right. So like we mm -hmm. did this thing, we built it and then we up and moved and I was like, Oh shit, I got to start over. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, uh, that's all right. We, you just but you did. Like, yeah, but did we you did. make, did you make those connections again? hundred percent, hundred percent. I just like, that... this is the plan. 
that is easy mode right there. What you just described, especially as a wedding photographer, it's a little bit more nuanced as a family photographer to right. find partnerships like that, but they exist. Yep. Um, but as a wedding photographer, those direct referrals, they can take out all the annoying stuff that you don't feel like doing. Like you don't maybe have to work as hard on SEO or on your Pinterest strategy or marketing on Instagram. You like, you can take off at least one of the things that you hate if you make if you prioritize making relationships with people who already have your clients, yeah. that is like creme de la creme. And maybe a tear down from that is just getting introduced to somebody's audience, like a collaboration on Instagram or something. Mm -hmm. So you're broadening your own, but like the peak of that is having a personal relationship with someone like a planner or a florist or a makeup artist, any of those people that are doing what you're already doing. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the smartest thing you can do. And you saw that happen very quickly for yourself. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> it may be worth, with, with mentioning, maybe, you know, we could, we could honestly, this, this could become a four hour episode, uh, yes. but maybe we'll, we'll kind of, I, I want to give a really practical thing for people to, to consider yeah. doing, uh, kind of off of what we just talked about, because I think a lot of people get that when, when, what we just talked about that people are like, Oh yeah, of course partnerships and, and getting those referrals and like, yeah, that's, a, that makes sense. Other businesses, yeah. Um, and so we think we're doing it, but y'all ain't doing it. Like mm -hmm. you, you just ain't doing it. Like you think you're doing it or you're not doing it enough. Like my question to you would be this, like for the vendors, the other businesses who have referred you, who have mentioned your name, who, who's like your business is on their mouth, right? Like, like what have you done? Mm -hmm. How have you acknowledged that? And or fostered the relationship. Yes. And a lot of times I'll say, I'll hear this. Well, I give them referrals. Lot of fucking da. Like, great. Good for you. You also get mm -hmm. like, we need to do more because this, the, these other businesses, this can become the entire backbone of your lead generating machine. And I'm telling mm -hmm. you the the leads that you'll get from these referrals are worth so much more. Like, I think you need to put it into context of how much money what they're giving to you is worth like, like mm -hmm. if you are a wedding photographer and you're doing $3,000 a, a gig, like that's a $3,000 referral. And then you're like, I thanked them. Well, I sent, yeah, I sent them, them a thank you card. <laughs> I sent them a referral. I gave them a, a $10 gift card to Starbucks like 10 months ago. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I haven't done anything since like put it into perspective here. And then you wonder like, I don't know why they stopped referring me. I don't know why yeah. it's. And so I would highly, highly encourage you to go back and audit. Who have you, uh, who is, who has referred you, who has sent people your way, whether or not you booked them. Um, and who do you need to go back and, and do something for? And I would, I mean, for me, I'm in the 100 to $200 category of value of gratitude. Totally. Like totally. When, when it's, and for me, it's way, you know, if, if it's a $3,000 on the upside, but not only is it $3,000, my friends, because <laughs> it's also removing all the other stuff, all the other BS, all the other time, all the other money and energy that it would have taken you to find that client on your own. It, it yeah. pulled and all the that word away. of mouth that comes from that client then is 
like you have no idea what that client is going to bring you in the future yes. that they brought you in the first place. Like that word of mouth is one of the more valuable things you're getting out of that relationship. hundred percent. So go up the game, like figure out yeah. what it is that like, do, are they a sports person? Go buy them a ticket, go get them like, yeah. go get them tickets to the next game. Like, like actually think about the game. Don't like the, the gift. Don't just get them like, like don't do the basket of fucking whatever. Don't do a box of cookies. Like try yeah. Just fr- well, I, unless cookies are their thing. But sure, yeah. But you know what yeah. I'm saying, like the general, yeah. like oh, the crumble cookies or whatever it is. Like, like yeah, let's yeah. put some effort into this. I've gotten someone a pair of uh, night, like new Nikes. I customized them for them. I did amazing. A, I did a, uh, a. They were super into beer, so I got them a brewery because they could brew their own beer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, what else? Have, uh, uh, there was one person who's super into, um, <laughs> this is funny. Uh, there was a, a, a photographer I was coaching and they had, they had someone who they wanted to connect with and they were, they were like, blow, like super into pinball. Like, like that was a whole thing. It's a whole subculture of like being really into pinball. And so, um, he gave them, uh, a bag of quarters to take to the pinball thing, but like a hundred dollars worth of quarters just Amazing. to take in a, in a big old, like satchel, you know, that's just like <laughs> so-and-so's pinball money stay out, you know? And it was Amazing. just like such a memorable way, but yes. you, it has to be memorable. You yeah. gotta, you gotta stay well, front of mind. I have a shortcut for this. I have a girl. Her name is Melanie. Her business is Houston Gifting, H-E-W-S-O-N. And she is a professional gifter. Mm. So she will source personalized gifts like Spen's talking about for you. And so I use her for my clients and she is incredible. And you can pay her a small fee to like make every gift you give extremely personalized mm. with like a handwritten no. And she's amazing. So it's awesome. anyway, if you want to do, if you want to do that, if you want to gift something to all of your uh, vendor friends um, also, what I wanted to say about this is you have something so powerful with your images to share with other vendors. Like we, that's like a superpower that you have that you can rely on because people are always looking for images that they're allowed to use for their own stuff. Mm -hmm. So if you're really looking to strengthen a relationship with a planner or a venue, make sure you send them a gallery every single time you work with them, a special gallery just for them. Like that is one that is invaluable to people like that. Yep. Yeah. hundred percent. Oh, one more. Uh, like the, the value that you have to give, it doesn't just have to be monetary, like tangible things. Like we talked about the work itself, but also just like you could be a value to them and, and (laughs) ways outside the, like there was a planner who was moving and I was like, I like, it was just, I had my team of two other photographers. I'm like, well, we'll come help you move. We'll move all the big furniture for you. That's incredible. Like showed up to go help her move the big furniture. It's like, there's so many things like, just think. Think like, like a like a normal person in a community <laughs> of other people that like that you could help. What other skills do you have? Yeah. What other abilities can you do just to offer aid and be of assistance to lighten the load for someone? Because again, yeah. people want to work with people and they're going to refer the person who they actually know, like, and trust. Yep. Um, they're not just going to refer the photographer who has the best images. They're going to refer the photographer mm-hmm. that they actually know, like, and trust. So be someone that they can trust, be someone that they like, be someone that they actually know, which means showing up, getting out from behind your computer. And, um, it I mean, it can completely change your business. So next week, Ben and I will be talking about how to be a human. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I think that'd be, I think that'd be, I think that'd be good. <laughs> 
Yeah. What was step one? Um, you know, I think step one is probably like pee your pants. It's like, yeah. uh, everybody's got to do it. Once everyone's got to do okay? it. It's, 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 it's humbling. It's just like, oh yeah, I am also just a broken, messy person. Someone come change me. I think that's. <laughs> All right. Hey listeners. I don't know how we got to that. Thank you for being here uh, today. Really appreciate y'all so much. Um, we'll see what we'll talk about next week. It'll be a good time until then. Keep showing up. And be kind to yourself. <laughs>